trusted and proven, pushing the limits on every shot. We never fear failure. Join us as we set ourselves against the odds, bringing you cutting-edge voices in every industry. This is the Ironclad Podcast. Hey, man. Welcome, Jeff. Awesome. Glad to have you. It's been a while. It has been a while. appreciate you having me. Yeah. The last time we worked together was uh, for those videos that we did with you. When you <laughs> went, garage, yeah. yeah. They turned out cool, though. No, I they certainly did. I, I mean, I still use them. Yeah. I still use, like, I've, I've still segmented some of those intros and out and like the outtakes, but the endings. Yeah. And I still use that within some of the editing I do. And you've you've evolved the business and what you're doing, too, right? I mean, it's you, you've had a journey, right? Yeah. Since what, where, what are you doing currently? Because every time I keep up with you, you're always somewhere new, new place with a lot of pro athletes. A lot of pro fighters. I've seen. I've seen you with yeah, Andre. Andre. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's it's been. I mean, I'm trying to summarize it. Is I suppose is, is easy enough. I guess we can cut out some of the fat. But you know, for right, like right now, my focus, my primary focus is is training military, law enforcement, firefighters, those civil servants, primarily because I feel, you know, if you let let's just use the military in which I came from as an, as the example, right? Like within those walls those organizations are not skimping on body armor bullets, like even really like the aspects of like of those things, you know, they're getting the best of the best of the best by, by the nature of that job is we're always gone. We're always, you know, transient. We're always transitional. Same with police officers and firefighters in their own right. You know, for me, I feel like we have to educate that population the best we can because they don't have that exposure of the physiology, the nutrition, and those sort of things. And, not, and that's not to say that there aren't professionals at those units, that that's their job. It's just because they're always gone. Right. So trying to create, I guess for lack of a better, like whether it's social media or it's the website, trying to gather information to where, you know, if they're traveling, OCONUS, Inconus, whatever it may be, they can access some of this information that they otherwise won't be able to because they're gone so much. So that's, that's, that's really where my heart is. And then the other side of it is I feel like the best way to affect the community that I came from positively is affect kind of like the freshman class, right? If you want to effectively, positively affect a college football team, you really got to do it at the freshman. So guys that are wanting to go into special forces across the branches, that's who I really like training because it is getting them early, teaching them principles that will carry them throughout their career long or short and a lot of guys don't have the same access that you had right i mean right. you had it you we've talked in the past but i mean you had really unique access to a lot of really dynamic facilities organizations and everything else and now you're going to bring that to folks that's huge right and so that's i mean in, in in all truth that is very much part of what allows me access currently my past has still well, with my past, I developed those relationships when I got out with universities, organizations, and such. And now I have access as because I'm known as a strength coach, but before I am a SEAL, which which suits me very well. Um, just because that to me is a more plausible sort of title, I guess. It's like, hey, I'm a teacher first, and then I have this unique backstory that's given me access. Yeah. So that that for me is is. It, it took a minute to kind of realize that, that there was some real value in that because the identity is so much wrapped in my active duty service for all those years. And you get out and you're like, I'm not sure how to, I, what can I offer people that is really valuable outside of just talking 
motivation, which, which in itself is fine. I just, that's just not me. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because, you know, this podcast, we talk about life's journeys. We talk about the process that people put into it. We talk about adversity and, and how ultimately people that are high performers or successful folks get to where they are. We talk about what they're doing now to get there. Um, you know, have you, did you, a lot of that is aligning with their purpose, right? So people that sacrifice a lot, high achieve, there's a purpose that's tied to everything they do. Did you have to find that new purpose as you got out and started to? Yeah, I certainly did. And I I think for me, that was in, in hindsight, that was probably one of the more difficult things because I wasn't sitting there on a daily basis going, I got to find my purpose. It felt like I, because of that past, like I, it was, it was very odd. It was kind of double-edged sword where it's like, I know I have value. I just don't know what platform to share that value. Um, and once I realized that it took a lot more patience initially, right? And that was the big thing was developing real patience because the instant gratification that exists from the unit that I came from. And what I mean by instant gratification is you're, as soon as you get there, you're part of that fraternity and you have access to all of those people, all those assets, all that information. And so when I leave, it's, it's you, it has to be self-sustained. And I, it's not that I didn't have access. I had different access. And now like the same access as far as like, Hey, if I, if I need to contact an organization to make an improvement on a set of body armor, I could call that company directly. And now in that same ride, I use that same sort of methodology. And it's like, hey, if I really want to learn how to appropriately train swimmers better, well, I look no further than my contacts at the USOC or, you know, within college, like at the University of Florida with Matt Delancey. It's just that I have access that way. And I didn't, well, also too, when I got out, you know, starting a business and kind of trying to figure out what I was going to do, now as a business has grown and developed and settled in, now I do have the opportunity to go travel and meet with these people and learn. And when that happened, when I decided to start leaving Virginia Beach periodically and learning from these folks, uh, that for me realized, like, it, it, that was a realization that I needed to have so I, I could keep learning, so I could keep teaching. Yeah. Because when you're, when like the command I was at, you're constantly learning. You just don't even realize it. You're constantly improving upon yourself in that, in that world. And I get out and like, I just felt like I wasn't learning enough. Like it wasn't just like wake up in the morning, go to the command and like learn. Like I had to actively pursue that. And once I learned that, that learning was a very much, very important to my process because I do like sharing what I learn. And, and that's where I'm at now. I, just, I really like getting as much information so I can share it to the population because I know that those same individuals really care. And, and that means a lot to me. Yeah. Especially in the world you're in. I mean, health and fitness, it just evolves. What we know evolves every day too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to kind of keep track of what's new and, and, and that, those sort of things. Now, social media has been helpful to some regard, right? But there's it's probably been of, just as destructive. It, truly. It, it is. <laughs> you post some it stuff is. all the time. You said something about keto and, and Atkins and all these things and the guy died. Yeah. That's not something I knew. Yeah, it's interesting because we. I, I I saw the fat. I'm like, keto is good, right? Yeah, and, and and again, it's not a. It's just it's a perspective. Right. Like, that's right. what I'm trying to give people yeah, because yeah. one of the greatest things I learned as a strength coach later on in my life as a strength coach was from one of my mentors, and 
he, he would tell me all the time, you need to be more of a critical thinker, more of a critical thinker. In my own right, I was as a Navy, as a SEAL, but as a coach, I really had to start auditing the things I was even saying in coaching. And learning to be a real critical thinker doesn't mean, you know, a lot of people take offense to say, hey, that's, that's not correct information. Why are you disseminating it? And because it, that, in, that misinformation can be is often taken as truth, especially on the social media platform. So for me, one of the things I just always wanted to do is have a place where people could find truth. Yeah. And, and if I don't know about it, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, certainly not going to speak upon it. But a lot of these things are like, again, going back down that road of Atkins, right? The Atkins diet yeah. is a ketogenic diet. Um, and the ketogenic diet has been around for, well, as long as there's been humans. Right. <laughs> it's just, and, and there's always been a really good use for it periodically at periods of time, whether it's disease or it is in the fitness population. Right. And, you know, granted, like there's always, the answer usually is, well, it depends. Right. And so that's where their podcast is a perfect thing. Be, people are hungry for long form communication and podcast has been such a great value to be paired with social media because it's one of those things where you can say, Hey, listen, don't take my word for it. Go listen to these podcasts and make up your own mind. And then that, that for me has been very helpful because I, I do a lot of podcasts. And I listen to probably, probably listen to more podcasts than I do watch anything or listen to anything else. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is cool and, and you've inspired me a lot. The first, I think the first time we met, we talked, uh, we were doing a video for mental health or, and performance. And we started, we, we went down the rabbit hole of, of your knowledge. Right. And there was a lot that really analogies that you were able to put in place. But one of the cool things is, is I learned from you is you've always learned from the best in the world, right? You, you've never just let something be enough. You've always gone to the best sources when you were active duty all the way now. And I think that was really neat. And I think what you're able to give through that is now you have a platform to give that to folks through your yeah. platform. Right. And I mean, that's a big deal. It's someone who lives it. You're not just talking about it, you just read it. Right. I, mean, I, I you, do you, believe that. Yeah. I very much believe in being, being a part of it, not just hearing it. I mean, you were an athlete, right? Right. And then you served at the highest level. And now you're out and you're living it and you're seeking more knowledge. So that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think that it's, it's, a, it's a, what a strange, like I kind of look back at my life and it really, I was actually having this conversation this morning about, you know, being a, a small child and being undersized and had this chip on my shoulder and it, and now in hindsight, I look at that and man, how, how well that has served me being a small child because also too, cause now I can look back empathetically at my, the 10, 12 year old me and go, you know, it's, it's what a weird thing. Again, it's just, you, I used to resent that as a child, like, and as an adult look back and be like, how could I have let that happen? You know, how could I have been such a pussy kind of thing, yeah. you know? And now I'm like, well, no, like what, what a blessing it's been to have grown up the way I did. Dude, I think like that too. First off, I'm surprised that you were ever small. <laughs> yeah. So could I get that? I mean, you're, 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 you're jacked. Yeah, no, but I mean, I mean could, I was, can anybody get to that level, or is some is genetics play into that? What plays into that? Do do you make up your mind and you go there? You take in the proper nutrition, you do the proper exercises, you 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 link up with the right it, people. Yeah. You have to. Yeah, no, I think I, I I think that there certainly is a genetic thing associated to right. it, right? But I but when I'm saying genetics, though, we're talking bell curve. You have a genetic pos disposition 
right? Or you have a genetic advantage, but, and that's only like 10% on each side, right? So a genetic advantage given a sport is like Hapthor, the mountain, right? What an advantage, a genetic disadvantage would be someone that's born diseased or disabled in a sense. So it's like, but that 80% middle, it really comes down to consistent consistency and then having the right information and, and, and appropriating it consistently. And I think that that's where people are missing. I really do think that most people have the capability to get to where they want physically. We're not talking skill acquisition. Right. We're not talking hitting a 93 mile an hour slider. Right. We're talking just the fit, looking at your body as something that is a tool that needs to be kept healthy. And we can do that. Like I really, really, do I think we can live to 150? No, 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 no. What I look at is, for most Americans, after they, about the age of 47, 45, they're on a regimen of medication for the rest of their life. Is it really that much? Yeah, it's pretty. It's in their 40s, late 40s. That's crazy. And so for me, I look at it and go, well, I want to push that until I'm 70. Because it's like, I feel like truly, in, in the hand of God, I feel better at 40 than I ever did at 25. Like, I really feel like my life started at 40, 39 years old for a lot of reasons, but... For me, I'm looking at going, well, let's make all the mistakes we can up to 40 and then live the life that's worth living. You, you make the mistakes because you're resilient, you're durable, you have you're, time, yeah. all those Stubborn, things. Stubborn, yeah, yeah. all those sort of things. And, and it is, like, especially, you know, if I'm using my life as the example. You've it, lived three lives at this point. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm not going to live a regimen of medication for the rest of my life. I want to be 40 to 60 traveling the world. Yeah. Healthy. Like, I don't want to have to go to a pharmacy in, in France if I don't need, like, you know, it's like, I want to live a life that's really worth experiencing. And, and it's, it, we, we accumulate our, our wealth or our income after 40, in my opinion. You know, at least that's, that's the world I live in. I see, I see grown adults like us, and it's like very few people are able to make a lifestyle living that's going to pay for the rest of their life in their 20s, right? And so, I, you know, it's been a real kind of revolution in my head of going, wait a minute, like, Anyone that says high school is the best days of life have missed the boat. Anyone that says college is the best of life has missed the boat. And I'm looking at going, man, life for me is awesome at 40 and beyond. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm trying to share that zest with people because, because most people, well, the people that get their life sorted out are, is, is a lot of be is in their late thirties and forties. Yeah. And that's where they will make a decision that they're going to stick with. And I think that fitness and training and those sort of, th sort of things it's easier to convince a 40-year-old to train because it's better for their life and health than it is for a 20-year-old who's got it all. You know, they've got the health and they've got the athleticism. And they've already got, you know. And I think that I'm just trying to flip the script a little bit and, and, and show people that, you know, life doesn't end when you're 40. Yeah. And, and, I, I, and I really, really like seeing people, especially because those, a lot of men and women in uniform right in thirties and forties. And that that's where the body will take a toll if yeah. we don't take control of it. One of the things we talked about uh, when we first chatted too, was the, the toll of sleep and stress and how that plays into things. And uh, that was kind of eye opening for me because that's across the board, not just people that surf, right? I mean, yep. professionals, athletes, um, corporate white collar, all the way to blue collar. They I'll sleep it off or, or I'll push the limits. I'll, I'll go to bed late, wake yeah. up early. And then the stress, and you made an analogy about the race car and the stress and creating these stressful moments. But uh, sleep is huge, huh? I mean, we're learning that more and more every day, or is that something we just always neglected? Well, I think that it's it's one of those things that it, anecdotally, as as us growing up, sleep's important. 
but now we there has been a lot of research spent and anecdotally or whatever formal research spent to prove that that is accurately like say you should get more than seven and a half hours of sleep or whatever it is night right so you know i think that here's the here's the here's here's the double-edged sword is that the human body is so magnificent we can beat the hell out of it for three decades before we can really see a detriment so let's not let's not lean on the resiliency of the human body to to damage it Let's lean on the human resiliency of the body to live a disease-free life if we can, you know, to the best of our ability. So it's like, let's not take it for granted. Like the body can take a beating. I mean, we all know that. Like we're talking, you know, from, I mean, seriously, I mean, I've, I've overdosed before, twice on Percocet, Vicodin, heroin, all that, right, in times past. And it's like, I shouldn't have survived. Why I did is a different reason. But my point is, is that, the human body can endure a great deal, but don't take that for granted, right? Treat it the way it's supposed to be treated. Appreciate the way it's supposed to be treated because what's going to end up happening is every single aspect of your life will get better. Like I really, truly believe that, um, you know, from relationships to, to you know, obviously your health to financial, it's, it's just that aspect because it's, we've only got one body, Right, and I'm not saying everyone's going to should or ever even desire to be, you know, in a professional fitness realm. I'm just saying, like, you can't appropriately love other people unless you are actually showing love to yourself. And I think it really starts with the body. And again, you don't have to have a six pack to love yourself. You really do have to care just enough to what you put in your body because you are the teacher for your children. And if we as adults got to stop blaming the millennials, air quotes, because we are the teachers. Like if we, if there are problems in this world, it's not the children's fault. It's not the adolescent's fault and it's not the teenager's fault. So we are the teachers and it's for us, it's on us to be great examples. And the best example that we can be is, is take care of ourselves, right? And obviously take care of our loved ones. And it's, I had a hard time for a long time understanding that because of the resiliency thing, it's like, I'm taking good care of myself because look at the job I've got. And I look barely healthy, but I'm telling you the inside, it was just rotten. And now, now like I, it's what a strange thing. Cause I can look back at it and go, Oh, I'm actually living a truly healthy life. Cause you know, people say, Hey man, you look great. And I'm like, my answer typically is like healthy mind is healthy body. And I finally got that everything from the neck up sorted yeah. too. And that, that certainly has helped. Yeah, that's cool. And you uh, go back and going back to what you were talking about, um, kind of the resentment of of who you were as a kid, right? And those things. I think most people have uh, approached adversity differently. Everybody approaches it a little differently. Uh, people who's who's experienced so much as yourself and and has performed at such a high level usually uses adversity as fire or or yeah. as as a changing or uh an evolution can you talk a little bit about how uh, adversity fuels you yeah no it's certain certainly is the case i mean that that was a hundred percent pretty much the case as a child because i was so small and i was so driven probably very much in part because of because i was undersized but granted at the same time i look back at my background my parents were extremely loving and caring. They're extremely supportive. So I was like, there's no excuse. I have no, I have no excuse to not achieve because of that. Because I, I was, I won the genetic lottery. <laughs> I was born in small town, Iowa with parents who love me. 
you know, so it's like, I don't have any excuses. Now, I think because my parents gave me so much support, there was no idea of like what true failure was um, in achievement for that matter. So they never said you can't do this, can't do that. And for whatever reason, you know, I, I could postulate as why I chose the path that I did through, through athletics and then eventually going in the Navy and choosing that path. Um, you know, it, it, it was, and, you know, not to be cliche about it, but it was a bit of a calling. Like it kind of drew me in that, that overcoming that adversity was the draw that, that is a very much in part of the draw right. of the SEAL teams, right? It is achievement. It is being part of that very select few and all that. And that very much appealed to me. Um, it very much appealed to me because I was a good college baseball player, had an opportunity to play professional baseball, but I wasn't that good. Did I have a chance to make a major? Like, likely no. I mean, probably not. So for me, it was, it was a matter of just, it was like the shell game. It's like, well, if that one isn't going to serve me, well, and that was really highly skill driven, you know, baseball athletics, is extremely high skill driven. Not that it's not effort driven as well to some component, but I looked at the SEAL team, specifically the selection process as being effort driven. And I had determined at a very young age because I was so very small that I couldn't acquire skill. I couldn't because I didn't have the strength. You know, I could learn the fundamentals of baseball extremely well, but expression of those fundamentals was stifled because of my inability to have the strength and speed and power necessary to be good at a young age. So I really, really, really worked so hard on acquiring skill to try to overcome that lack of physical size. Well, what happened was puberty. And so I had this extreme drive that lasted through my through, to the time I was 17 because I was so small. Again, I graduated high school. I went into my senior of high school at less than five foot tall, under 100 pounds. Graduated about 135, um, and I was five five four. At the end of my freshman year, I was 200 pounds, and I was five eleven. So that drive, married up with sport, with puberty, created. Honestly, it's almost like an alter ego that created for me. And I was left a bit unfulfilled with baseball because I hadn't achieved to the point I wanted to. And so for me, when I was in college, I had decided, well, if baseball doesn't work out, I'm going to achieve something worth achieving. And I was sitting in the library in college my freshman year, and we had to do a speech in speech class. And I don't know where or why it came from because it was like the, this was 1997. Right. The internet was really just starting its thing. So the dial up. Yeah, totally. It was in, and I don't honestly, I honestly can't tell you how I came across the SEAL teams. I, I only recollection I have is a guy on the baseball team. I was leaving the library, and someone was like, "Man, you'd be a good SEAL." And I was like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah, kind of thing. I'd only, you know, from GI Joe as a kid, you kind of there was at the time there was no real Navy SEAL hoopla. There was none. Right. And so I actually sat down on the computer. I for lack of a better term, it wasn't Google. Google wasn't around that time. It was like AOL. Yeah, yeah. I searched engine Navy SEAL and the Navy SEAL.com had a single page. It was like, you could just scroll down a little bit. And I saw like, it kind of was like Navy SEALs do this before breakfast. And it like, it just, it, it sparked a real interest. And as I shared this idea, this speech that I did, all I got back from it was, like, it was like, yeah, you got a good speech and all, but, about the topic, people were like, that's impossible. People can't do that. And I just made a decision right there. I was like, that's what I'm going to do because everyone says it's impossible. And 
that's that I was so good. I am. I'm so very good at working in like with real vigor. I'm really good at that. Um, and it it never left me. And now I have this adult body, and I have a, a developing an adult brain. But I had this huge chip on my shoulder, and that right there, that bit of adversity. It, not to say it all, buds was no. It, it's not that it wasn't difficult, but it didn't stand a chance. Like there was, if I was gonna, if I got, if I maintained health, there was no way from a physical standpoint that I wasn't gonna be able to make it through because I had the physical tools. I could run like the wind, I could swim like a fish, and I was a PT freak because of I was so undersized as a child, and that's what I mean. Like if the community served me like in that way. It was, it was such a blessing to be a part of something because, like that, because when I got to that community. I just looked around and I was like, these are my people. You know, like, there's other people that had that very similar sort of experience and that, that real need to be doing something that was worth doing. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Well put. Um, do you feel like when you got out, you had to refine that? Or is it something that you have to, a guy like you who's always drawn to that challenge, right? And always being fueled by those things. Do you have to search for that if it, fizzles out or if you get in a comfort zone i think that mic drifted up can you pull it down towards yep. you a little bit more oh yeah is that good micah yep. okay cool um do you have to find that or is it something that's just naturally you have drawn to you it's it's i'm very much drawn to it before it was a physical draw right like i needed something to physically challenge because for me that was like the feather in my hat i could that was validation physical achievement was validation for me now it's not now, it's the same drive, but it's a drive to learn, not just about topics, but like I really, really want to understand me. Like I really want to understand me in, in things like relationships, especially like how to, you know, I've always been a very aggressive individual, um, not very soft spoken because of my undersized and the big chip on my shoulder. Um, I had a hard time making friends for a long time because of that. And so that is an example now where I, I, I really enjoy that emotional challenge. Like I, uh, but again, like that's, that's a small aspect of it. But for me, I'm really drawn to knowledge because I think that I'm, I believe, I really know in some things, but I really do believe I'm good at teaching, I'm really good at teaching, especially within those populations that I see a lot of myself in them. And that, that for me is, I'm, I, I want to seek out populations, just like I said before, that are underserviced. So I look at the military, I look at the law enforcement, I look at the firefighters, and I look at those civil servants that are underserviced in something that I'm well-versed in. And they under, when I get in front of those populations, because of my background and then the way I do act, like there is a mutual respect there. And for me, that's what I'm, I'm seeking out. I'm seeking out the populations that are hungry to learn, that will give them longevity, that might save their life, all those sort of things in cliche or otherwise. But that population I love. I just love working that population because it, I get it and I see myself in them. And now that I'm in my 40s, I'm working with law enforcement, military and fire that are in their 20s. And I see a lot of me in these folks. And being able to share with them from the standpoint I'm at, I think that I can drive them or help steer them to make less mistakes that gives them a better career. You know, physical yeah. mistakes, like ego, kind of 
figuring that piece out and how to temper that, you know, like I, 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 I feel like that's really valuable. Have, have, what are you seeing being the missing link with a lot of the, a lot of the, the service community? What's what's being overlooked that you're able to address for folks? Is it is it mental? Is it physical? Is it a little bit of both? Well, I it, I I start I always start everything with the physical because you know ex, again we can use the SEAL teams for example and say this like what gets you there won't keep you there, but what got them there is extremely valuable. Like I'm, when I see what I mean by what gets them there what drives an individual to achieve that. Right. You don't want to walk in same thing. You don't want to walk in a professional football locker room or NBA and say, stop doing that. Cause they're going to look at you cross-eyed and go, no, 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 wait, whoa, this is what got me here. Right. Like this is my blankie. Like, don't tell me this isn't going to work because look, look, I'm an achiever. Right. I'm successful. Like screw you, you know? So for me, it's really about understanding first of all, what drives those individuals right? I can't assume that it's the same thing that drove me, but they're wearing a uniform and there's got to be something. There's a carrot there. So trying to find out what that carrot is physically, initially going like, what, what makes you like, how do you like to train? What's your goals? What are you trying to do? And in the process of training these individuals, you inevitably find that intrinsic motivation with these folks. You find out what they love, what they're afraid of, what drives them, and, and that's where that real mutual work happens. They, they, they'll let their guard down just enough to, for me most of the time because of my background. Um, and also because I've, I, I now do believe I have a history of sharing factual or really valuable information for these folks. So that's like, you know, going back to your question specifically is like, how do I, you know, what's, how do I get in and get, get these people moving? It's, it is initially physical, Right show them I have a base of knowledge that, that my interest is teaching them what they need to know, not what I, not how I like to train. Right. And I think that that's a big, big problem. There's, you know, forgive me the vernacular. It's not a problem, but it, it's a shortcoming within our military units and law enforcement units that, that, that physical training is driven by either someone typically who just doesn't care. And that's their job. Like you're, you're tasked with training this group right. or it's, well, this is what the, the, you know, the senior sergeant or the commander, this is how they like to train. So now you're going to just say, everyone's going to have to train because no one really has any knowledge on it. You're just everyone's going to do a 10 mile run every day, right? The 10th mountain division. It's just like, stop. Like we've got to stop teaching these people things that aren't valuable because they have so little time. And I think maximizing their time, especially as transient as they are like, so it's, meet them physically, see what you can give them emotionally, but also ultimately give them a plan, help them formulate a plan that best serves them, not best serves me. You know, obviously, and if it best serves them, it best serves the unit that they're attached to. So a lot of guys just really want to, they just don't know how to formulate a plan. And I think that, that that's what my business, that's what we do very well. That's good, man. Uh, you, you mentioned earlier, you said uh, it took you a while to get it right above the, above the shoulders. What are some of the things and uh, practices that you put into place? I saw you built that meditation. Uh, yeah. Uh, what is that? A uh, gazebo? What do you call it? A yeah. So we, we we call it a prayer meditation house. It's cool, man. I mean, really, that, that is legit. its purpose. Did yeah, you build all, that? No, I had some amazing contractors here in Virginia Beach yeah, yeah. build it. Um, is that a new practice for you? Meditation? It is. Yeah. You know, it's 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 one of those things that. Again, I had to be in the right emotional state to understand its value and then practice it to even further understand its value, you know, and it really took it, it, you know, my life took a turn 
because of really bad decisions, multiple bad decisions we all do. I took them to heart um, because it nearly killed me, right? Like I nearly, I tried to kill myself. So it's one of those things that, <laughs> oddly enough, born out of necessity. It's, yeah. it's you know, you, I, when you get as low as you can get, you know, all you end up doing is looking up at God, in my opinion, at some point, or you resent it. Um, and, and so that's one of those things that really kind of drew me out because it was like the common thread in all my issues was me. I was the problem, you know, not through and through, but until I, until I looked at each one of those really core in, core ethical individual ideals that I was not taught, you know, by my family, my friends, and my mentors, I had to look those things in the eye and really deal with them. And when I did, I found a tremendous amount of comfort in the fact that I could emotionally evolve. And, you know, it, it extends because it's one of those things. It's like, if I'm going to, you know, you've been in the garage yeah. gym, it's like that right there, it'd be impossible to not to get a good training session in that gym. Right. And it's the same thing. It's like, Hey, let's build this magnificent backyard because it is a place worth going and feeling and seeing and creating. And that's been the big part of my life is that, don't just talk about it, you know, put, put your ass out there and go do it and, and really do it so you can understand it. And then it becomes something that's reproducible. It's reliable. It's predictable. And most importantly, you can teach it. Yeah. And so for the, for me being able to teach something means I have completely scrubbed through my emotional and my knowledge, like sort of reservoirs. So I can extend that information to these people because like this morning, I woke up this morning and a text. So someone that went through one of my, my clinics that I put on here in Virginia beach at midnight last night, he's like, Hey, I don't know who else. I mean, I could read the text message would blow your mind. And he's just like, I don't know who anyone else I can reach out to that. I trust my brother tried to kill himself last night. What do I do? Like he, we're in the hospital right now. What do I do? And it's like, I never in a million years, and th this, this is a regular thing for me, and I never in a million years thought I would be blessed, for lack of a vernacular, but just bear with me here, truly blessed that I have people that trust me enough these days to reach out to a, almost a stranger and say, hey, I don't know what to do. Like, this is serious, and it's critical. And what a, what a blessing for me that I have people that care for me enough to ask me, and so that's extremely valuable for me, and that's validating. That's awesome. Man, it's powerful. Yeah, no, it's it's very humbling. Yeah. It's extremely humbling. And probably gives you more drive, too, knowing that these people, you know, you come from a career, the stakes are high, the guy on your right and left depend on you. Yeah. And then you come out, and you're, like, paving a new way, and yeah. now having these guys that are. Yeah, and it's one, it, it, that's, see, that's kind of the screw of it all, too, I guess, is that. I very clearly look, you know, I got out of service six years ago. I look right. back at my life, it, you know, from a tactical standpoint, I was very efficient. From an emotional standpoint, I was very, very juvenile. Right. And I just look because back, you are durable and tough at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in no way is that a, that'd be super, super clear. Right. That was me. Right. It wasn't created. It wasn't that, that's the, that is the Jeff Nichols I decided to be. Right. And now I look at it and I'm like, well, if I had had the emotional state that I currently have in that position, what would that have been like? And I, I mean, I have chewed on that and chewed on that and chewed on that. Re the reality is, is like, it doesn't matter. Right. Because I love what I did. I love the people that I worked with. 
I love the opportunity. Appreciate the opportunity that I came from, but I'm here now. Like I never was really able to live in the moment and appreciate that. And now like it's beautiful. Like it's really, really extraordinary that now granted I can get off rails and get, get crazy times too, but like I really am good. I'm really good at being in the moment most of the time. Uh, and it comes out certainly when I'm coaching and teaching and certain like that, I'm really focused, but I, but I'm able to, I'm able to take criticism. I'm able to, the people that I love and are closest to me can critique me and I'm able to come back around and go, okay, yeah, that was me. Like I was a pain in the ass for the most of the time, you know? And, and that for me, like I know that growth is happening and as uncomfortable as it can be at times, uh, that text message and things really validates that I'm on the right path. What do you think triggered some of that growth? I mean, like what practices did you put into place? Meditation is one of them. What other things did you do to kind of find that? Yeah. I mean, whew. yeah. Like, meditation and prayer, like I yeah. kind of, they kind of lumped together and in my own way has been extremely valuable, but developing real friendships that, that for me was the first thing. Cause I, I actually had this conversation with my mom. I've had it with Catherine. I've had it with friends and it's like this, I go with, with respect of my life. You know, most of us, we go to kindergarten at four or five. We're in a parochial setting. We go to high school. It, it, each step is a more, well, I, I'm saying the word severe, but, but I, what I mean by severe is higher expectations are, 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 are meant for you. Like when you get to high school, you're supposed to act a certain way. It's, it's more severely parochial, right? You go to college. Now there's more freedoms, but it is still more severely parochial. And, it, and, it, and all that coincided with sport life for me. Every step I took, it was more severe. You know, I get, I get to high school, and I had, was hell-bent on being a professional baseball player. I actually stopped really developing on my friendships because I, I grew up in a small town. I knew everyone since I was a child. There wasn't new kids coming in. You're just you're friends with them. You know, I had my best friend since third grade is still one of my best friends, you know. But then I go, I go to college away from home, right, more severe in its sport and in, and its in its parochial side, then I joined the military. It's extremely severe, in a positive way. I mean right, that very right. positively, right? And it's also from an emotional standpoint, you, you know, you're, you're instantly thrust into fraternity. You don't really need to develop friendships. Truly, holistically, you don't. I get out at 36 years old. The last time I developed a friendship was in sophomore year of high school. And so I look at that and go, no wonder why I couldn't get along with people. I had not learned how to approach an adult and develop a real friendship, an acquaintance, fine, but really, really meet someone halfway emotionally and go, that person is a friend, a real friend. They would really drop everything, and I would too. And so that's been the real sort of interesting life after the Navy has been you know, friend, I'm not friendly with everyone, of course, because you're just, we don't have time for it. But man, I've got some really good friends now and, and I'm a good friend to many. And so for me, that's been like, that has evolved my training because I do look at these, these people as people, not just a number, not just something that I, I, they're on my schedule. Like I really do empathize with them. Um, I, I expect a lot of them out, out of them, but I really do empathize with a lot of these people. That's cool, man. What a journey. And it's been, it's been a trip for yeah, sure. Man. Yeah. What's next? Wow. You know, it, what's, what's next is this is number one, not get too ahead of myself because I really am 
when I when I when I lose the path, I become a bull. Right. Like I just trample and and, and I don't care for about care. So for me, like I have goals, certainly have goals. We're about to probably purchase a building and take my training model and turn it into a much larger space. It's going to go into a much larger space. We're not going to change the model because, you know, fortunately the business is, is very healthy and we're able to do that. Um, not dilute the training. You know, that's the, ne- that's one of the next steps, you know, evolve the website to, we can reach more people with better, clear information because of, you know, video and all those sort of things, you know, but for me, it's, I don't know what life exactly has for me here and year out. I just know that what I'm supposed to do is help people. And, and, and my, my path of helping people was forged from being blessed, being able to be part of the SEAL community, taking that information, applying it to the physiology that I understand, stress management and other sort of things, and, and try to look at those objectively as possible so we can, we can, be, we can give the best information that we can. And I know it's kind of a vague statement, but evolution of the business is not something I'm super aware of because I am much, I'm, I'm really happy with what I'm doing now. Yeah. But growth is going to come because we, it's necessary. It's necessary to help more people. And in, in however way that grows, um, we aim to grow it that way. Uh, but, you know, I just, I know... I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm really good at. I know I'm good at very good at being in front of people and sharing the knowledge that I have in person and trying to do that in a more readily basis is, is, is my first goal is, and, and I love it. I love truly deeply love training our military law enforcement firefighters. That's awesome. Are you going to be traveling or are you going to keep it local? Are you just going to travel for, for learning or what? Yes. And that's, that's kind of the, you know, that's the big plan that that we're looking at is that, you know, let's take the year, you know, first thing that we're doing that we've been doing, uh, and we'll do a better job at it. When I, when I'm saying we, I mean my better half Catherine, you know, and it's, she's been such a hugely valuable, extraordinarily important part of my life. And, we're planning our time first. We're planning yeah. the free time. Planning some vacations. I've never been. I never, we went to Iceland um, a month ago nice. or so, and it's like I'd never really been on a vacation. Yeah. And so with family and my son being twelve now, and you know, I don't. I got in part. I got out of the military to spend more time with him, and what I was doing was not spending more time with him. Yeah. And so those things really do matter to me. Um, planning our time, the people I love that they get my time first. And then it's don't spread yourself thin, you know, for maybe for a quarter of the year, we are traveling and that's what that's, that's for us, but it's yeah. also for the business. And then maybe a quarter of that year where, you know, we're going to be here intently focused on training local, you know, and then maybe a quarter year, you know, I have people traveling all over the country to train with me in person. Maybe that's a quarter of the year. And so that's, once we get that building, we take our time making it the way we want, you know, four to six months. Not like, oh my God, we got to throw the doors open and get people in there because we got to make money. It's already happening. We're so fortunate that we can buy a building. Training doesn't stop. We can buy equipment. Don't need to take out loans, right? It's, it's all in do piece by piece by piece. So we end up getting what we want. Um, we're happy with it. People are happy with it. And, and, and we can continue to contribute to the population that, watch our ass when we're sleeping. Yeah. And then that's, that's, that's kind of the broad picture because, you know, 
simply we're going to buy a building, put a gym in it and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, you know, and still travel, go see friends, go learn. And, and not much is going to change because yeah. we're on the path. That's awesome, man. What do you do now for a source of inspiration or motivation? Who are you looking to now? Wow. Um, you know, there's a lot of people I kind of check in with. Uh, there's a couple people that, you know, in the, in the audio world or like, I'm sorry, in the book world, like in the, like Jordan Peterson is somebody yeah. that is, is profoundly important to me on, I've never met the guy, but I, I don't know, just emotionally, I feel very, very supported by the words that he says. Yeah. Um, he's extremely important to me. You know, there's my friends are extremely important to me. I, I find a lot of, fortunately I have friends that inspire me right. too. Um, from a business side, from an emotional side, from a professional side, from a spiritual side, um, you know, it's it, and that's it's podcast is very important to me. Yeah. Like I, I like I, I feel like that open conversation. We can get down to information that can impact you, and uh, you know, my, my family, my sister, and my mother are still alive. Uh, extremely valuable in my life, and like I said, Catherine, my friends, that, that that's that's really who inspires me. It's awesome. So I think, what are we, 45 minutes in? Are we at that? We try to, so at the 45 minute mark, we usually try to ask uh, something because everyone who listens to this, we, we have a lot um, of go-getters that listen to this the podcast, whether they're uh, creatives, whether they're, a lot, we had a lot of military community, we got a lot of outdoor adventures, um, but people who like to perform at a high level. So when we bring people on, we like to ask if you could give anyone a challenge for five days to start now, yeah. what would what would do you, would you give them to impact their lives? Wow, <laughs> this is probably the one question I wish I had ahead of time because it's a couple things for sure. Yeah, yeah. but I, but I think that just from a non ego standpoint, right? What what I would encourage people to do is spend five days. You know, when, when you know you have the time, spend five days putting food in your body that you absolutely certain, you know, tastes good and will, will, will be good for you. Like, and it's like food is medicine period in my mind. Uh, and having people eat, you have a consistent three or four meals a day or every meal that they eat, they're a very lean meat, right? Egg or something, lean meat food, uh, single ingredients, right? If you're eating broccoli, you're eating broccoli, Right. Maybe salt and pepper on it, something like I like to challenge people. I'm not saying don't eat, right? I'm saying eat your steak, eat your lobster, eat those sort of things, but choose single ingredients. Try that for a week and see how you feel. See how it improves your sleep. Like I think that we really are. And, it, and it's really, really nice because as we all know, the buzz of diets and those sort of things, the demand is there for quality foods. And I think that that, because a lot of things too is like I could have, you know, a lot of people probably expect me to go train for five days. Yeah, and all. Yeah. Like, no, no, get the base set before you brutalize it. Like that's the thing is like get your body in a position to receive the stress. And the best way we can do that is the food we put in our body. Once we get that in place, you can train your ass off. You, you can work your ass off. You can do both. It really, in my mind, is funny because like I'm not a dietitian. I'm not. I'm not a clinical registered dietitian or, or a clinical sports sports dietitian. But I lean on that population of professionals as much as anyone because you know, a lot of people think that they can out train their fork. You cannot. And 
that has been that that right there. You know, we kind of, kind of wrap this up was once I, you know, kind of was reborn, and we call it that. You know, once once I really pulled my head out of my ass a couple of years ago, it was one of the first things that I had to change. I did. I, I for some, you know, there's other things I, I've been through psychedelic treatments and other things, and it really it's the one thing that has been the most consistent in my life in the last couple of years, last three or four years has been this consistent improvement in the food quality that I eat. And it it's changed my life. It really has. And my son, too, it's not that I ever ate bad. Oh, you yeah. knew me before. Yeah. I, it wasn't like amazing. You look leaner though. I yeah, mean, you I'm look- super like, like again, from an aesthetic standpoint, yeah. I don't try to look like this. This is a direct byproduct of how I eat obviously the way I train, but also the way I sleep now. It's like, especially with Catherine, she got me such a good sleeping routine, yeah. better than I ever was. Are you measuring it? Not anymore. I are you measuring to. food and measuring sleep? Or are you just taking in good stuff? I used no, to. Yeah. yeah, now I've done it enough to where it's like, it, it, it's really unfeel. And uh, it doesn't, that doesn't give anyone an answer yeah. necessarily. But you know, I think that I've I've been super blessed and fortunate that I have dietitians within the sports and, and you know the special forces community that has helped me make better food choices. And that's what I mean. It's it's unfortunate other people don't have access, right. but that's exactly why we do what we do. Right. And so if if people need access to a good, a, a fantastic individual to get them in the right direction, I have a number of clinical sports dietitians that I when people from all over the world ask me, well, what do I do with this program? I Go talk to Steve Smith. Yeah, that's the guy, or whoever. Rob Skinner, Limic Training Center. There's who's a head dietitian there. It's like I still lean on professionals, and that's what I used to not do. I just like ah, do it myself. No, no, no. Like let's utilize the expertise of others and give them respect right. because they will then really give back. And and I've always found this too is like a really good teacher should not be like. Let me phrase it differently. Most. Uh, all of the teachers that I've ever been in front of that are exceptionally good teachers are so willing to offer their, their information and knowledge. And, and that's what good teachers are to me. People willing to teach and not just soup bowl their information. It's awesome, man. That was great. We flew by an hour. Crushed it. Um, (laughs) Where can people find you? Pretty easy right now is, is social media. My, my handle is Jeff CSCS and my website it's uh, performancefirstus.com, and you caught me at a great time because we're talking about inf- information dissemination. We are probably a day or two away from completing the membership portion for all the video information that awesome. I have to offer and training and information. So um, that's the best place to find me is through the website. Awesome, man. Well, hey, I wish you all the best. Awesome stuff, and uh, it's been fun to watch your journey and, and follow you and, and learn from you. I appreciate it. Yeah, man.